You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Welcome home. Welcome to Impact. And I hope it feels like home here for y'all. I'm excited to bring the word this morning as I always am. We just finished our series, Sermon on the Mount. Um, longest series in Impact history. Like, we started Sermon on the Mount in June, and I don't know if you know this, but it's September now. Um, that's a long time. So we went a long way through Sermon on the Mount, and that's, that's okay, because Sermon on the Mount is very detailed. Uh, a lot of, for us to go through, a lot of really, really good meat. It's a sermon literally off the lips of Jesus, so we don't want to miss that, right? Well, today we're going to talk about... Um, a story literally off the lips of Jesus. We're going to be in Luke 15 talking about the prodigal son. Um, I mean, this is my favorite Bible story. This is my favorite story that Jesus brought up. And uh, it comes in the whims. It's kind of the grand finale of the lost parable. So you have the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, right? And what this does is establishes for us how passionate and how just absolute berserk Jesus is about finding what is lost. And I hope you're grateful for that this morning. Jesus is absolutely passionate, will not let anything get in his way about finding what is lost. And these three parables show us. And in this one, I'm sure if you've been in church, you've heard it preached plenty plenty of times. A lot of times you'll hear it preached as you're the son. And we are going to kind of look at it that way. But I want to focus on the father's responses because I want to focus on what God does when we return home, when we find our way back home. And uh, I'm just so grateful for how he's blessed me. And uh, so, let's see. Jesus is making it remarkably clear that he's here to recover what is lost, and that's meant for everyone. Like, set the standard now, no matter what you've done, what you have gotten yourself into, self-inflicted, others-inflicted, Jesus is there to recover what is lost, okay? He is there to find what is lost. All are lost, all need grace, all need mercy. Jesus is on the scene to recover the lost and introduce us to grace. Today we're focusing on the Father. Let's read the passage together. Um, I'm not, we don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask us to stand up. Let's stand up and read together. You can read it on the screen if you have, uh, have it on your phone or your physical copy with those sheets turning. That's awesome. But let's read this together. Starting in chapter or in verse 11, Luke chapter 15. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. That's essentially saying you are dead to me. I like you when you die one day, you're going to get an inheritance from this father and I'm going to get an inheritance from you. This is what the son's saying. I'm getting inheritance from you. And I just want that now because you don't really mean anything to me. It says, Father, give me my share of the property that's coming to me. And the father, he, and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the son, the younger son, gathered all he had, took a journey to a far off country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent Everything, a famine rose, arose in the country, and he began, he began to be in need. He outran his resources. He outran his resources. Just to take a quick break, I have, a, I have a dog at home. His name is Murphy. He's a yellow lab. 
and I love the mess out of this dog. And one of my favorite things recently is to walk outside and he'll just want to play. He'll just, he'll get the zoomies and he'll just want to run around the backyard. And all I have to do is just, you know, I can just stand on the back patio and just, and he takes off around the whole backyard. And my favorite thing, just because it's funny to me, and that's maybe mean-spirited of me, but is when he outruns his legs and he just tumbles over. And it just, it's, the, it's so funny. It's one of my favorite things. But that's what the son's doing. He's outrunning his legs. He's outrunning his resources. All right, picking up in, uh, let's see, verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He was in desperation, right? No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, light bulb came on, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He's preparing this, this speech to his dad. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'll say to him. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. So his father's waiting. His father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. For my son, who is dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Party in the house. Now his older son was out in the field. And he came, and as he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. I told you it was a party. He heard it as he came to the house. And he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered, Father, look, these many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command. And you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you came, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Yeah, what a story. Let's pray together. God. Y'all can have a seat. God, we just thank you so much for your word and for how you, how you taught us so practically. How you make it in a, into a story that we can, we can relate to and we can imagine ourselves. But God, I pray that as we dig through this passage and we dig how the Father responds to the sons in this passage, God, I pray that we'd get a glimpse of who you are and your grace and mercy for us. And that would just open our eyes to wonders that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, again, I love this message. I love 
this, this story. So we're going to focus on the Father here. And I've got four points that I want to hit. And the first one is our Father grants free will. If you're taking notes, first point is our Father grants free will. Verse 12. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the property that is coming to me. And what did the father do? The father divided his property between them. The father allowed it to happen. The father said, okay, it's, it's so sweet when you choose me. And I'm going to trust that that's going to happen. Here's your, here's your part of the property. Here's your part of the property. He allows the son to make a terrible decision because he knows how sweet the outcome will be if he returns. The younger son approached the father, and he said, show me the money, right? He said, give me my money. I'm out of here. You're dead to me. Um, I don't want to be under your roof anymore. Like, I'm ready to go. And then he takes off. And Jesus is explaining that, that all sin, that we, we turn away from our father. At some point in life, we turn away from our father. Romans 3.10, no one's righteous, no, not one. 3.23, for all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. At some point, we all choose to turn away from our Father. To walk away from our Father. And because God didn't make a bunch of robots, He allows this to happen. Our Father allows it to happen. He allows us to literally scoff at His existence, walk away from Him. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that if you walk away, you get off just completely scot-free. Like, there's a price to pay, and thank, thank, thank God that Jesus paid it, and we just have to look to Jesus in faith. That is our avenue back to the Father, right? Jesus is our avenue back to the Father. But the Father has allowed His Son to, to make the decision to step away. He has given Him free will. Now, don't let that think that that negates... Don't think that that negates his sovereignty. God understands what happens and what can happen and what will happen. He is all-knowing. But he allows this to happen. He allows the son to make this decision. Our father allows us to make decisions because when we realize how desperately we need him, it's even sweeter than we can ever imagine. Point two, first, our father allows free will. Second, our father shows compassion. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And then his father pursued him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Even when we're absolute morons, right? Completely self-inflicted. Think about this story. The prodigal son, completely self-inflicted. Goes off to a far-off country. He just wants to get down and he just wants to have fun and just waste everything that he has, right? Completely self-inflicted pain. He's found himself outrunning his resources, okay? He has outrun his resources. He is so down that he's feeding pigs, and he doesn't have enough to eat, so he, is, he desires to eat the slop that he's feeding the pigs. And then he comes home. He realizes, you know what? Even my father's servants are, are treated better than this. I'm just going to go home. I'll write the speech. And I'll write down, Father, I'm sorry. Um, I, you know, I didn't do enough. No, that's not right. And he says, Father, 
gets to it and he says, Father, I'm no longer worthy. That's how he says it. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned before God and before you. Treat me as one of your servants. Yeah, that's, that's going to hit home. I look how the father responds to this. This is my favorite part of this story. Even when we completely misunderstand the, his, the terms of his love for us. Verse 22. It says, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. His father doesn't even acknowledge this speech. He just completely moves on. Completely ignores the speech. His son's like, dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I just treat me like a servant. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. And his son, his dad says, looks to the servants that are hired at the time and says, hey, get him a robe. Get him the best robe you can find. Get him a ring. We're going to bless the mess out of him right now. Because my son, who is dead, is now alive. Again, he's returned home. But his son is like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy to be called your son. We get so wrapped up in our worth in what we can bring to the table. And let me, we just did a whole sermon series on Sermon on the Mount where the overarching theme is Jesus is worthy, so we don't have to be worthy, right? We will never be worthy enough. We can never work to attain the holiness that allows for salvation. That's why Jesus came to that came on the scene for that rescue mission, right? So we aren't worthy. We aren't worthy. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner, the better it is for us. So give me just the, just humor me for a minute. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not worthy. Come on. Turn to your neighbor, say, I'm not worthy. Now turn to your next neighbor and say, you're not worthy. Go ahead and put it on them. Here, I got some good news for you. I got some good news for you. If you're, writing, if you're taking notes, write this down. You are not a child by worth. You are a child by birth. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table. You bring yourself to the table. Jesus said we, had to, we have to be what? Be reborn. We have to be reborn. And that's through the grace that is provided through Jesus, right? You are not a child based on your worth. You are a child based on your birth. There's nothing we can do to earn our Father's love. There's nothing we can do to lose our Father's love. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10, 10 talks about the salvation process, right? It talks about we're saved by grace. It's the work that Jesus did on the cross through faith. That's us repenting from our sin and turning and looking to him as our Lord and Savior, right? Not by works. Jesus, again, it's not what you're worth. It's not what you can, from our worldly perspective, what we can bring to the table, we can never do enough, and that's why Jesus came. And I hope that gives you freedom. I hope that doesn't make you feel like, Man, well, that's just, I feel terrible now. No, I hope that gives you freedom because Jesus loved you so much to take that on and become that sin that he was not. Wrapped himself in flesh that he created. 
breathed air that he sustains, felt pain, the full weight of pain for us because he loves us, because he has grace and mercy for us. And we look to him in faith. It's not based on our worth. We are intrinsically, ultimately valuable to God, regardless of what we may think and what we do. He values us. That's why he paid for us with the ultimate payment. So our Father allows us free will. Our Father shows us compassion. Again, I'll say it, you're not a son or daughter by worth. You're a son or daughter by birth. What matters to God is we recognize His holiness. And in doing so, we will recognize our unholiness, approach Him with repentance, and then we are reborn into the Father's family through the way of grace accomplished by Jesus. All right, so number three, our Father celebrates His children. Our Father celebrates His children. Verse 24, I hope that excites you. Like Our Father celebrates us, right? For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost, he is found. And they began to celebrate. Your reconciliation, our reconciliation to the Father is throw down, put New Year's Eve in New York City to shame, party worthy, right? It is absolutely, part. he said, put the best on my son who was lost and who is now found, who has arrived back home safe and sound. We are going to party, kill the best, fatty calf. We're going we're gonna to smoke them up and we're going to go to town. We're going to have some fun. I hate to say it, it's probably better than Jake's barbecue. And we all love Jake's barbecue, right? So the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fatty calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for my son who is dead is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. So Birthday parties. I think about birthday parties, right? We're not a son. We're not a daughter by worth. We're a son or daughter by birth. So this is this son's reborn moment. This is his birthday party, right? So I'm turning 36 in December. I'm sad about that. But, you know, I think crossing that 35 number means, you know, we're, I know 40 was over the hill when my mom turned 40, but whatever. It's, I, I feel old. We'll just put it that way. My body reminds me I'm 36, even though I'm not quite 36 yet. Okay. So, but my birthday is in December. It's December 18th. And that's not a plug for you to bring me a gift. Although if you want to, you're more than welcome to. Um, but what I'm saying is it is one week before Christmas. How many December birthdays do we have in here? Anyone have a December birthday? A couple December birthdays. Okay. I don't know if it's this way for y'all, but my birthday, and I love my parents. I love them to death. They did an amazing job uh, just blessing me growing up, loving on me, but it never failed. Christmas did affect my birthday presents. Like, I'd go to other kids' birthday parties, um, and they'd be getting, like, just awesome toys and these elaborate uh you know, technology devices, like Game Boys at the time, like, that was a big thing. I was a 90s kid, all right? So, so my friends were getting all of this for their birthday, and this is what I got. Never failed from my parents. At Christmas, we would always get the, the essentials, right? We would get 
like new undershirts, uh, new socks, new underwear, uh, new toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes, whatever. So it never failed. We'd be at Stardust Skating Rink or we'd be at McDonald's. Yes, 80s kids, there was a McDonald's party room and it was awesome. Like you got a visit from Ronald sometimes and like there was like this box stacking challenge, which I look back at those pictures and I'm like, what were we doing? And it was just, they just brought a bunch of boxes from the back and we would just stack them. But it was a party and it was so much fun. And I'd get to open presents. So my presents would A, be wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper. B, it never failed. My parents would celebrate me. I think this was my dad's because this is his sense of humor. As it should be dad's sense of humor a little bit this way. Um, I would, in front of all my friends from school, unwrap a box full of underwear. And it was like the like four or five pairs that like they just didn't want to put in the box that they gave us in, at Christmas. Like so, it never failed. Our father celebrates us. Now, my father celebrated me in a little bit different way to try to kind of like make fun of me a little bit. That's just kind of you know my dad's sense of humor, and that's cool. I love him to death. But our father celebrates us. He celebrates the mess of us. Uh, mess out of us. Luke 15, 7, I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people, righteous persons who need no repentance. Then Zephaniah 3, 17, the Lord your God in your midst, a mighty one who will save, he will rejoice over you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will celebrate you. He will party over you and your changed heart. Lord God in your midst, a mighty one. He is, he is God. He is mighty. He can save. He does save. He will save. And he celebrates when the lost return home. God loves us so much that not only does he drench us in compassion, he literally sings and dances over us and commands that the heavens join in when one of his children come home. And his parties, man, his parties. Like I said, it was the type of party that would put New York, uh, you know, Times Square to shame on New Year's Eve. Like, this is going to get the police called on you type of party. Right? This is like Harlem PD rolling around Pebble Lane and saying, what is going on? But this is a righteous party because death, has been swallowed up and life has come to fruition. Repentance is there, faith is there, and ultimately grace is there and available. The Father is there to make us right, bring us in right standing. Now his older son is in the field. And this is, again, this is the type of party it was. This is why the cops are getting called on you. While he was coming to the house, he heard music and dancing. Father celebrates you. Your father gives you free will. Shows compassion on you. He celebrates the mess. Then point four, our father is available to his children. Our father is available to his children. But he was angry. He refused to go in. This is the second son, the older one. He was angry. He refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Harking back a little bit to earlier in the passage, it says while he was a long way off, his father, what? 
saw him, felt compassion, and ran to him. Our Father is available to us. Most of us, when we're, most of us here are parents, and we'll send our kids to the room, right? Like, if they just, if our kids are fighting, I don't know about y'all. I mean, I imagine this is pretty common with the same way when I was a kid. But, like, kids are fighting, and it's like, go to your room. I'm not dealing with you right now. Calm down. We'll, we'll handle this when you're not completely beside yourself. And I'm not completely beside myself because you've driven me absolutely bonkers, right? So if you have little kids, I mean, I guess teenagers are the same way. But, like, little kids, like, it's, you definitely, like, just go to your room. Let's go to our corners. Calm down a little bit. Then we're going to come back, and we're going we're gonna to hash this out in peace. Hopefully, if that, you know, hopefully it happens that way a little bit. But let's also recognize that the father immediately make himself available to his children. Regardless of their mess. You had one in repentance. I can't believe what I did, Dad. I'm so sorry. I'm not worthy to be your son. And he comes out to him and he makes himself available. Then you have one that's so mad. He is so ticked off. And his father doesn't say, just go to your quarters, I don't know what they were called at this point, go to your room, and we'll talk about this later. No, his father comes out. And what happens? What happens? You get into it a little bit more. He comes out to him, and he listens. Said to him, your brothers come home, your father's killed a fatty calf. Um, When he was angry, he refused to come in. Father came out and entreated him. Verse 29, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you've never even given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And what does the father do? The father does not cut him off, doesn't throw down with him, doesn't send him to his room. His father makes himself available, right? He listens to him. Aren't you grateful that we have a father that we can go to in our deepest struggles and just say, God, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe that you allow, you can even say, I can't believe you allowed this to happen to me. His father listened. and God listened. God listens to us. And then he brings us back and explains the situation. That's what he does. He says, your brother was gone. He was dead. He's alive again. That's worth celebrating. So we're going to celebrate. Now we don't get a conclusion as to what happens with the older son. But what we definitely can conclude is that our father is 100% available to us. And that is celebration worthy on our end. The father takes in everything he says. He explains that celebrating and returning the returning son does not negate the value He reminds him, all I have is yours. It does not negate the value of his older son. And he encourages the fact that he is still a son. But he explains the grace in celebrating the prodigal. No matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, no matter how sad, angry, anxious you might be, God is available to you this morning. And every moment of every day, he is available. Matthew 11 Verse 28 is, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
God allows us to choose. He grants us free will. Our Father shows us compassion. Our Father shows us compassion. Even when we make the worst mistakes. Self-inflicted. Our Father shows us compassion. Our Father celebrates us like crazy. Like blow-the-roof-off parties because we have returned when we return. And our Father makes himself available to us. So I'm going to close with this this morning. Um, I don't know where you are, right? Uh, when Pastor Dustin welcomed us this morning, and he said, you know, what are, what are some of y'all going through? You guys going through some struggles? Who's, who's got something they just wish would go away, right? And a lot of us raise our hands. The Father's available to talk that through. He's open. He's here. He's ready to talk about it. We just have to come home. We just have to come to his arms, go to his arms, and say, listen, God, this is what's going on in my life. I want to talk this out. Our Father is available to us. What I want us to understand this morning is these things. You are not worthy, and that's okay, because Jesus is worthy. Let me say that again. You are not worthy. I am not worthy, and that's okay, because Jesus is worthy. Second thing is your Father loves you so much that He embarked on a rescue mission for you individually. For each person in this room, He embarked on a rescue mission for you. To provide you grace and freedom and hope and a way out of the mud, out of the forest of sin, the swamp of sin. We just finished Sermon on the Mount last week. Again, we said the overarching theme is this. Congrats for realizing your ability to not be good enough, to not be holy enough. Because when we realize that, when we come home to Jesus, it's an amazing thing. Congrats for recognizing that you need Jesus to account for your righteousness. Next thing I want you to understand is we do we cannot do enough to cover our sins in order to be worthy. Right? We can't earn or become worthy. We've walked away from the Father. All of us have. It's the truth. All of us have walked away from the Father at some point in time. We have to be reborn into righteousness through the one who did earn it. And that's Jesus again. We're not worthy, and that's okay because Jesus is. And last week, Pastor Dustin talked about information without application is useless information, right? Just over your head. So how do we apply this message? How do we apply the Father's love for us to our life? How do we do that? There's a song that I like. We don't typically, or we've never done it here, but I like it a lot. And I love these words. It says, so run to the Father. Fall into grace. Be done with the hiding. No reason. So how do we apply this? This morning I think some of us need to run to the Father this morning. Right now in this place, in response, as we respond, you need to run to the Father. And give you the opportunity to that. You need to fall into His grace. Throw away the hiding. And do it immediately.
this morning, we may need to run to the Father and reinitiate that conversation, right? Reinitiate that relationship. But every day for the rest of our lives, we preach the gospel to ourselves. And the gospel is, we're not worthy. That's okay, because Jesus is. And he came and took on all of our unworthiness so that we could be worthy through him and reborn through him. Take on his righteousness. So response, application, run to the Father and keep running to him every single day, every single morning. Fall into his arms. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.